I would ask if you've noticed a change in the weather. But of course it's Oklahoma, and you can ask that question several times a day every week of the year. <laughs> Except perhaps in August. Uh, <laughs> the title of this sermon is Thanks for the Change. And as you probably can guess, I'm not talking about coins from a purchase. Thanks for the change, man. Do we ever say, thanks for the change, God? Anyone thank God lately for changes in your life? No? Can't imagine why. I mean, don't we all just love changes? Uh, from my fifth grade year to my tenth grade year, which is six years, I attended six different schools. We moved three times as my dad changed jobs. We changed houses. We changed states. We changed churches. We even changed denominations as we moved. The six years that I played football, I played under five different coaches and played six different positions. I never lived anywhere longer than five years until after I was married. Now that I've lived in our current home for more than 12 years, I like being in one place for a bit. You get to develop things into better things. You get to develop a sense of belonging, a series of memories, and an understanding that you only get with time. Because we struggle with change, don't we? We don't like it when our cheese gets moved. Have you read that book? Who Moved My Cheese? Interesting book. When our life gets turned upside down, everything has to be adjusted to fit the new thing or the loss of something familiar. Sometimes we call it a time of transition or a time of challenge or a time of growth. But what it all boils down to is more work. And being uncomfortable or uncertain or both. We had our comfortable routines and now we have to create new ones. We had our expectations, lost them, and now we have to build new ones. We were comfortable. Now we have to find our way while being uncomfortable. So we grumble, don't we? If I were in charge, if it were up to me, we grumble that change is hard, but change also means freedom to grow. Transition times mean you get to reevaluate, you get to make some changes, to adjust so that your settings are more effective. You begin to appreciate what you had. You begin to look forward to the possibility of things being better, maybe. You begin to see what it was like for the new guy moving in and what it's like for that established neighborhood that you're moving into. Change is a challenge for everyone, isn't it? Surprising or expected, change is just not easy to deal with. So, how do we handle it? I mean, after we cry out to God to reverse the changes or overcome, and he doesn't, 
what do we do? Time to give thanks, all. Yes, thanks for the change. Thanks for the inconvenience. Thanks for the extra work. And thanks for the uncomfortable. Because it is proof that we are growing. It is proof that God loves us. And because you can't grow without changing. Revelation 3.19, whomever I love, I make comfortable? No. I rebuke and discipline. John 15.2, every branch that does bear fruit, I leave alone. No. He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. John 15.2. How many times did God pre- does God's presence in the life of a biblical character cause the trajectory of their life to change dramatically? Isn't that pretty much all that happens? When did God not cause change in a person's life? Even when God is rejected, it causes change in a person's life. You can't stay where you are when God gets involved. And he wants to get more involved in your life and everyone's life. So, yes, we give thanks for the changes and the challenges, even while we struggle uncomfortably in the middle of them. Sometimes we get to give thanks when we have no idea where we're going, like Abraham. Any of you ever been without a job? Do you remember what that felt like? I remember my, I think it was my first time in a TCF service was when I was without a job, 2013. I just lost a job that I'd had for 10 years and it felt for all the world like I had let go of one vine and didn't have another one yet to grab a hold of. Sometimes we get to give thanks when we have no idea what God is doing, like his disciples. If you watch The Chosen, you get a good sense of how confused they were. Not so much about what he said, although they got confused about that too, but about the big picture. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? No, that's not what this is about. Come on, take off the blinders. Sometimes we get to give God thanks when there is nothing left of all the good that God gave us. Like Job. And sometimes we get to give thanks with no guarantee of comfortable circumstances, which is pretty much all of us all the time, isn't it? Sometimes we even find ourselves giving thanks to God for saying no to our sincere requests or for destroying the small dreams we held on to so tightly so that he could give us bigger ones. Time gives us that kind of perspective. I'm continually grateful to God for ruining my plans for college because he gave me my wife instead of my dream. In high school, I wanted perfection, but he gave me peace instead. 
I found out how valuable that was. It gave me what I needed most instead of what I thought I wanted. And he will do the same for you because he loves you just like he loves me. Love causes change. We marry someone thinking that we and they will stay the same indefinitely. But we both change, don't we? We choose to change because we have chosen to love. We learn that it is better to be together than to always be right. That's a big change. I still have to learn that lesson. We chose to love because God chose us and chose to love us first. Can you see that God's love has changed us permanently? Love is such a powerful agent for change. And God made us to be changed by it. Love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus said. Ever tried that? I don't just mean being nice to someone you don't know that well or someone who happens to live next to you. Ever seen to someone else's needs as if they mattered as much to you as your own precious pet needs and wants? It's exhausting. It's not something most of us can do for very long. Well, how about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength more than anyone else, especially yourself? It takes his help for us to begin to love and his help for us to sustain a loving attitude, especially through changes. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. And if I'm honest, it would take God's help for me to say the same. We are blessed in this congregation to have many examples of Job kind of devotion, sacrificial kind of love among us. Everyone who has truly loved another will tell you that it cost them something, that they did not always want to love that other, but that love is so much more than mere emotion. They will tell you that love has changed them. There's a song by Andrew Peterson called Love is a Good Thing. It has a pretty thorough, graphic, and memorable set of descriptions of the changes that love brings. It knocked me down, dragged me out, left me there for dead, took all the freedom I wanted and gave me something else instead. I blew my mind, bled me dry, hit me like a long goodbye. Nobody here knows better than I that it's a good thing. Love is a good thing. It'll fall like rain on your parade. Laugh at the plans you try to make. Wear you down till your heart just breaks. That's a good thing. Love is a good thing. It'll wake you up in the middle of the night. It'll take just a little too much. Burn you like a cinder till you're tender to the touch. It'll chase you down, swallow you whole. It'll make your blood run hot and cold. Like a thief in the night, it'll steal your soul. And that's a good thing. Love is a good thing. It'll follow you down to the ruins of the great divide. Open the wounds that you try to hide. There in the rubble of the heart that died. 
you'll find a good thing. Love is a good thing. It'll break your will. It'll change your mind. Loosen all the chains of the ties that bind. And if you're lucky, you'll never make it out alive. And that's a good thing. Love is a good thing. And it can hurt like a blast from a hand grenade when all that used to matter gets blown away. And there in the middle of the mess it made, you'll find a good thing. Yeah, it's worth every penny of the price you paid. It's a good thing. Love is a good thing. Makes a Hallmark card seem kind of childish, doesn't it? Is it better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all? Try it. Try it for years. Not everyone agrees. Love is the hardest thing you can ever do. And that's why it's so important to do it and to honor it. It matters. Love matters more than anything else. It must, or God wouldn't have put love so squarely in our sight so frequently in his word and in the life of his son. Jesus said the two most important commandments were about love. In communion, we remember and proclaim God's love for us while we were yet sinners. Every marriage... Every birth and birthday and every celebration of a life lived in Christ is a celebration of the triumph of love changing a world marred by our self-centered destruction. It's a celebration of change worked by God because no one else can do it. Many have tried. All of us have lamented our helplessness the seeming injustice of a broken world. Only God can fix that. But how many of us want to accept our own responsibility for that brokenness, our sin? Guess what? Only God can fix that too. Thankfully, he has promised to do so. And if he lives in you, he has already begun that reversal, that unraveling, that transformation. How blessed we are to experience the triumph of love over sin so frequently in the body of Christ. How blessed we are every week to experience a taste of the life to come as we greet one another in this auditorium. As we worship our Father, our Savior, and our Comforter. As we give and receive encouragement and truth. No matter how we come, we always leave this place having tasted the goodness of God, the fellowship of the body, the reassurance of God's sovereignty, and the reminder of our responsibility. How blessed we are. We generally like to avoid responsibility, don't we? Change causes us to have to take it up again. And if I'm honest, I struggle to avoid worshiping my own comfort. 
Maybe one reason God brings unexpected change into our settled lives is to keep us from thinking that we've gotten good enough at something to depend only on ourselves. Sudden change will bring you to prayer pretty quick. And you will realize again how dependent you are on God for goodness and success. Any older siblings in the room? The recovering perfectionists repenting of our bossiness? Anybody? I'm one of you. <laughs> in fact, my poor daughter, she's the oldest of our five. Both of her parents are oldest, and three or four grandparents are oldest. What is it that older siblings find most distressing and disrupting about younger siblings when you're both under, say, the age of 10? High on the list would have to be when the younger ones come along and destroy the carefully planned thing that the old one put so much time into, right? This is why God in his mercy gives us older ones some younger ones in our carefully planned lives. We need to be messed up sometimes. It keeps us from taking ourselves too seriously and allows us to be compassionate. Helps us appreciate the times God has been merciful to us when we were the ones who came along and messed something up. Because we've all done it. We are called to change and be changed even when it costs us everything. We are called to give thanks even if we have lost everything. We are called to tell the world the truth even when we know it won't like it. And these are often amazingly effective witnesses. God uses our painful trials, our reluctant changes, our helpless vulnerability, and our sometimes dutiful, emotionless praise and thanks to show the hopeless world the reason to hope. Himself. His presence in our loneliness. His strength in our weakness. His power in our helplessness. His healing in our destruction. His change in our lives. The night before Thanksgiving, my birth family shares bread and butter because that was all we had one Friday when I was a kid. Dad got paid that afternoon. Grandma had a big dinner ready for us that night. But that morning, the cupboard was bare. Everything was used up except the bread and butter. So Dad and I took bread and butter to work and to school for our lunches. And we missed the usual lunch things. But we didn't really suffer. Now, though, it's a tradition to remember how thinly we had to cut it. How close we came to nothing how near the edge it seemed that we came and that our Holy Father had us in his hands the whole time. And we were never in any real danger, nor did we stay close to the edge for long. So why the experience? I think it was important for us to know that we could be taken right up to what looked like the edge and be just fine. It was important for us to go without for a couple of meals so we would appreciate more the meals we had coming. It was important for us to see that God hadn't let us fall, that he still had us and held us 
and loved us. So we remember on Wednesday night, as we take turns sharing reasons to be thankful, as we eat our bread and butter, that a feast awaits us the next day on Thanksgiving. It's a good reminder of every meal in this life. We feed a temporary body with temporary food that temporarily satisfies and maintains life, which are all mere foreshadowing of the eternal feast and eternal bodies and eternal life that we are guaranteed by our Savior. There's a feast waiting for us on the great day. That is something to be thankful for. No matter what state your body or your food are in. Even if it's in Arkansas. Well, I've shared a little bit about my life. What about in your life? In what way has God taken you to the edge of yourself? Your resources? your health, your relationships. In what ways has God changed you? Remember how you used to be? Remember what you used to have or used to have to go without? Remember what you used to make, where you used to be, what you used to do? Maybe Wednesday night is a good time to remember that one time you almost lost it all. Or almost gave up. Or almost didn't make it. And God came through. Maybe Wednesday night is a good time to share with your favorite people all the reasons you have for giving God thanks. Maybe it's a good time to choose to be thankful for the changes in your life because you know God and he must be doing something good with those changes. No matter how hard they are to accept or endure. Maybe it's better to lay that foundation with the proper solemnity and time and reverence before all the fun and entertainment on Thursday. If you're with others, take turns giving thanks. So all can enjoy the memories. All can participate. All can make their unique contributions and tell their own story of God's changes. Just like each person brings a signature dish to the table, each brings signature thank items to the story that God is writing. Now, if you already have a tradition for this holiday that includes remembering God's faithfulness, by all means, keep it. But if you don't, maybe this year you start a new one. Maybe you have a quiet candlelight dinner of something that reminds you of how God has saved you when you couldn't have saved yourself. Maybe you reflect on Thursday morning over a cup of coffee and either write or sing your thoughts. Maybe you don't have time until Friday to go back in your mind and find God's faithfulness in your life. But make time to remember who he is and thank him for all that he's done. We live in a country that gives us time to do so. We should take advantage of it. Time and reflection can give you a different perspective on change than you feel in the moment. 
Ephesians 5.4 admonishes the avoiding of coarse, foolish talk and crude jokes to be replaced with giving of thanks. 1 Timothy 2.1 urges us to petition and pray and intercede and give thanks for all in authority, no matter what party they belong to. Ephesians 5.20 says to give thanks always for everything to God. Colossians 1.12 tells us to give thanks to the Father who has enabled us to share in the saints' inheritance. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 proclaims, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything. You may not be able to thank God for the thing you are enduring. The illness, the loss, child or parent or friend who's suffering consequences of foolishness, the boss who doesn't get it, the colleague that's so annoying, the spouse that's disagreeing, the interminable highway construction of Tulsa. But you can thank God in that thing you are enduring. Because no matter our circumstances or our feelings, God is still God. God is still good. And he is working good in our lives that we will eventually be grateful for. Why not start being grateful now for what is yet to come? It'll change the way you think. And it'll exercise your faith and trust muscle too. Jesus gave thanks every time he gave food to his disciples though it might seem a little bit like someone thanking themselves for a gift, it was done for our example, like his baptism. As a son thanking his father for a gift, though he knows the father loves him, gift or no. Jesus thanked his father in other places too. Now, one could argue that Jesus endured the greatest and most difficult changes of any human. Yet he gave thanks. He endured and his thankfulness endured. So let us thank God for all the changes he has brought and is going to bring into our lives. We Christians can find hope in change for we are being transformed by every change, made more like our Savior in every trial, brought closer to our Father every moment. We have reason to rejoice, even while we suffer. Let us aspire to the endurance of Christ, the gratitude of Christ, the confidence of Christ in his Father. We serve a good God. He works in all things for our good. We, of all people, should be thankful in all things. 2 Thessalonians 3.5 May the Lord direct your hearts to God's love and Christ's endurance. Thanks for the change.